This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. Welcome to another edition slash episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins, with you as always in this musical landscape journey that I am trying to weave. I thought about it the other day. What I'm trying to do with the show is at the end of whenever I decide to stop running this thing is for one person to be able to be like, look at this body of work and to be able to kind of get a picture of what independent music is like during these years. It's a time capsule, essentially. There's just a nice little manifesto for those of you that are just uh, wondering, what is this thing you're doing? What are you trying to accomplish? There you go. That's my mission statement. Anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Kellen Kapener, and I probably butchered his name because, again, why would I ever ask him how to pronounce his name? Silly me. So, yes, Kellen Kapener from the story so far. He is the bass player, and I did not know this gentleman before we had a conversation. Let me just tease it. It's probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. We got deep, 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 very introspective, very cool. Let's get some business stuff out of the way, then I will be able to talk to you about the interview. So, all during May, we'll have two of this episode and one more episode. I'm doing a fund drive. Basically, this this show costs money. I am coming to you, the listener, for some help, but with that help comes free stuff that you get. Technically, I guess it's not free because you're contributing money to the show, but it's free. You know, let's just be honest because I'm making stuff and I'm giving it to you. So visit a website called patreon.com backslash X purpose X, which that's my online avatar for those who are curious about it. But you decide to contribute a certain amount of money each month. And for that contribution, you get something cool in return, whether that's like a shout out on the show, whether that's some buttons or stickers, whether that's me interviewing you for a future episode, whether that's you getting a bonus episode, there's some fun stuff there. And when I do another one of these fun drives, there will be more fun stuff. So basically, it's your way to contribute to the show. If you feel like this show is worth something, like, let me let me break it down. Financially, this is what we we're talking about. If you decide to contribute $2 a month, which that's $24 a year, Basically, you are paying like 25 cents a show, which is like, let's be honest, that's nothing. That's like if you are going to, you know, whatever, let's say 40 music events a year, you are spending way more than that. It's an obvious statement, but I'm just saying the return I am giving you for your contribution is, is fractions of a penny. I know a lot of people download this show, and I really, really do appreciate that, but if you really want to kind of step it up and be like, yo, this is worth something. This is part of we're, we're, the DIY community. This is all we talk about. This is why we support bands. This is why we support artists. This is why we support photography. There's a lot of stuff that's being created, but not a lot of it is getting compensated. And I'm not looking to make this my job. I have a full-time job. I'm fine. But what I'm trying to do is make the show better. I want to buy better recording equipment. I want to pay my producer. There's a lot of stuff that I need your help with. So this is an impassioned plea. I've got my hat in my hand. Toss some shekels in there. I would appreciate that. Patreon.com backslash XPurposeX or just go to the website 100wordspodcast.com and then you can find a link on there and just contribute. I appreciate it. Anyways, Kellen, I had tossed around the idea of interviewing someone in the story so far. Uh, it's been a while. They've been on my list of, of bands to speak to. I just don't know anybody in the band. And I didn't really have, you know, I'm not going to say unpositive experiences, but I just, you know, heard they're just, they're, they're band that kind of does their own thing. And um, they're, they're nice, but, you know, they're just on their own program. After seeing the band a few times live, I was just like, okay, I, I get where they're coming from. I get what they're doing. They're really good at what they do, but it's it, it just nothing that really grabbed me to be like, okay, there's like this band clearly has something to say. They have a point of view. So again, I'm just made, it's on me, nothing on the band. I'm making judgments on them. So then finally I was like, you know what? Kellen is, is a friend of a friend. I'm like, I will reach out. I'll see if he's interested in this. He was totally interested. We traded a ton of texts to try to schedule this interview. Like I said, it's probably one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I feel like maybe I just hit him on the right day or something, but I felt like I was really able to get to like the core of 
not only what the band is about, the frustrating things that a band like this endures. When I say a band like this, a band like in the in the independent music genre that is pop punk, um, you know, a lot of it is just cast aside as disposable. And while I don't necessarily agree with everyone's sentiment with that, you know, there are bands that are clearly just creating that sort of music just because it's it's quote unquote easy to get popular. Kellen was just like just raw honest and I, I felt like we got so deep if you i mean if you hate the band that's fine listen to this interview it'll probably change your perspective a little bit which is why i love these interviews because it can totally turn your opinion on a person put a human quality on them and realize like oh we're kind of all in this together i really appreciate kellen just just put it all out there bearing it raw and i appreciate that so without further ado here's my discussion with kellen i will talk to you after the show point into you know your the band and kind of what you're doing from that perspective i uh i've known jake round for a long time i can't even remember when i first met him but it, it's been a while basically since like his first couple releases I, I watched the label grow and grow and he would always kind of keep me informed with what he was signing and doing and so i remember him sending me that first ep clearly there are five bajillion pop punk bands it's difficult to see kind of the forest from the trees when you first listen to a band you're just like Oh yeah, well it's kind of sounds like all the other bands, and not in a bad way. Just in a, it's hard to differentiate yourself when you're that young. Yeah. So the first EP, I was like, oh, that's cool, but it didn't. It wasn't until the first full length that I listened to you guys, and then after, uh, uh, I can't remember the first time I saw you guys, but whatever. After hearing the first full length, and then kind of seeing it, it was like, oh, oh, so they're serious, like because you get, there, there is that element of like. <laughs> You, you have to kind of prove yourself in ways that maybe certain, you know, other styles of music, you know, whether it's like, you know, being a hardcore band or any other variety, like you feel like you kind of have to prove yourself a little more than just your average band. Did you guys ever feel that, that sort of context of like, wait, wait till you see what we're up to next? No, that's, that's the thing is uh it was basically the complete opposite of that where you just have what was, you know, like five kids that all go to high school together. For us, it was, we do this and we get to play shows and we get to like, go on these little weekend trips and see our friends over here, there, wherever, and, you know, get away from home because it's like a bunch of 16, 17-year-old kids out traveling to, you know, we, we wouldn't travel very far, you know, when we were first starting out, we weren't, like, doing tours or anything, but we'd go travel to, like, you know, uh, Southern California or, like, Seattle or something, you know? So it's like, you're basically just a bunch of kids out on your own, you know, no one's supervising you, no one's, yeah. most people are just kind of searching for that anyway, so it's like, it was liberating to do that. Music was kind of the vehicle for all of that. And so, you know, writing music was basically just to, to sustain whatever, like, enjoyment we got out of, you know, doing doing the the local gigs that we were doing. And so when we started writing the, uh, the full length, the thing that was interesting about that was the fact that we were no longer all located near each other anymore because, mm -hmm. we, you know, a few of us went to school, we went to college and, and whatnot. To us, it was, it was more of a personal affair than it was, oh, we're going to do something in it's going to establish us and we're going to like go, you know, full throttle with the, with the band. We did it and we kind of did it with the expectation or with the, with the knowledge that people were going to go away uh, to school and whatnot. And that it was, everything was kind of going to go on hold. It was just sort of like a, like a time capsule for us to be like, Oh yeah. Like when we were just, you know, when we were younger, we, we made an album together, Sure, you know, and it was cool. And then, you know, obviously, in where we are now, like, you can see how much that album propelled us. Because basically, like, you know, it found its way online, and then kids shared it from there, and it sort of just, like, became yeah. apparent to us when we did our first tour. Because that was the other thing we wanted to do, is we wanted to do at least, like, a tour before, you know, because we didn't know what was going to happen. It wasn't like we were going to abandon the stories so far, but, you know, we didn't know, like, right. what the future really held for us. So it was mostly just for us to have and to say we did it, and so... We released that album, did the first tour, and basically, like, it was right in front of our eyes, like, oh, we actually have an opportunity here, maybe we should hold on to it, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, just the, having those sort of, like, tokens in your life, whether it's, like, you know, for some people it's a yearbook, for some people it's, like, you know, their varsity letter jacket, and for you guys it was like, oh, no, here's a record. You know, it, it is, there's something charming about that, having that thing that you created that 
there's so much attached to it besides just the music or whatever, you know, the patches that are on the jacket. Like there's so much more beyond that, the physical manifestation of it. It's everything kind of wrapped up into it. It's cool that you got, like you said, you looked at it as a time capsule. That's cool. It was sort of a weird process, you know, because yeah. it wasn't like a professional process where we're like, all right, we're, everyone's going to be in the studio writing this album for X amount of time. It was like, well, I have a full-time job and a full-time set of credit so I can come in for a week and record the bass parts that I've written for the songs you guys have sent me. You know, that was my end of things. And same with, like, Parker, who was over in, like, Southern California, you know? So I was like, okay, so, like, come in, do your part, and then, you know, it's kind of just a, a patched-together sort of process, not, not like a, oh, we're all here and there's expectations and a label behind us and all stuff. It was just like, you know, just us at our, at our own, like, convenient making the album yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, right is it is a cute little thing you guys could do that obviously turned into something more than anyone could have anticipated from that perspective um yeah exactly so you yourself were you born and raised in the northern california area um i was raised in northern california but i, I was actually born in utah which is a lot different it's a it's a lot different in california over over in utah um <laughs> yes it is but i'm glad i'm glad i grew up grew up over here just over in concord it's just a suburb of san francisco um, the rest of the guys live in Walnut Creek, a city away. So, I mean, we've always been relatively close to each other, you know, where we live. W were you actually born in Salt Lake? Born. So oh, it's, yeah. It's like 40 minutes from Utah County. Home, home, of, uh, home of the used. Yeah, that is home of the used. Actually, that's how, that's how I actually got into that band. That was my favorite band for a while, simply because they were from Orm, Utah. And being from there and knowing what Orm, Utah was, it's one of those places where you know, like, oh, nothing comes out of Orm, Utah. Right. And then my friend was like, oh, check out this band. Uh, they're from Orm, Utah. And for me, I was like, oh, that's enough. Like, you know, these guys, these guys defeated the odds. Anyone can, you know, become a band, like, to the magnitude they are. I was like, if they can come out of Orm, Utah, then there's opportunities everywhere, you know, for anyone. It was nice to see that. Yeah. So how long how long did you live in 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 Orem before you moved to Northern California with your parents? I was just a I mean I was a baby when oh, okay, we moved, but I I've been back I've been back there though like a lot since. So because with my we still have family friends out there. Uh, to the course of my life, I've been there and you know spent time there. And no, it's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't been there, but it's basically just like a snow cone shack and a mall and nothing else. It is a weird city. Like I mean, partially because Utah is such a weird state in general, and then like when you're you know, if you're driving from up north down to Salt Lake City and you drive through this little city and that's like Orem and you're just like, oh, that was like, that was that. That's like literally an exit off the freeway. Like there's nothing really else beyond that. <laughs> and then, and then all of a sudden yeah, you're at Salt I mean, Lake. The one thing though that I, I do really like about that state is all the natural, like, like the, the mountains there and all the natural like parks and th like, you know, everything you can go to and, yeah. and explore is, is pretty cool. You know, like there's not, there's not a lot of places where the mountains are like at your doorstep. So I don't know. I mean, that, for that sake, it's, like, it's actually a cool state in yeah. a lot of respects. No, totally. It's very picturesque. That's for sure. When you, uh, so when you moved out to Northern California, was uh, what was your family structure like? Like mom and dad, brothers and sisters? My dad, my dad was, um, he got a job out working for a company in Oakland. You know, he just, he'd been jumping around like, he actually worked for Disney for a moment. So we basically went from, I think it, it was probably Northern California originally and then to Studio City in uh, Southern California and then right back to Northern California. And he worked for a, uh, it was an international shipping company called uh, American Presidency Lines, or APL. Mm -hmm. It was based out of Oakland. And so they had a little house in Pleasant Hill. And, uh, you know, it was, it was basically my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She used to teach, but she kind of gave it up when we moved out. You know, it was, it was cool to live there. And I had, from my younger part of my life, it was basically my sister and I. I had uh, two younger brothers uh, later on. But, you know, at the sort of in the early stages, it was just her and I. And there was a park. And it was a cool childhood, you know, just like go to the park and pick your head over things you shouldn't and sure. you know <laughs> they have the big ro rotating wheels and stuff and for whatever reason it's like people tell you all the time like you know don't stick your head under there and it's gonna make you want to go do that like you want to touch the stove or you want to like you know just typical stuff <laughs> i think a lot of that has to do with the, the that suburb living you know it's like you're once you're told not to do something you're just like well why i'm bored i'm gonna do this yeah exactly so i was always i, was, I don't know i was a, i was an interesting kid i was i was like i was i was kind of a hoarder and i was also like i had like probably what was Tourette's or like and definitely like ocd like i just i had all these weird habits all the time too this is like what i remember from my childhood because mm -hmm. i remember like to do weird stuff all the time like i stick my tongue out and like did like you know until i had like a rash on my chin i did all the time like a like i was a lizard you know what i mean and then like, oh, sure. i'd roll my eyes i get in trouble at school all the time because i would habitually roll my eyes because it was like the way it felt it was like a tick you know what i mean so like i do it all the time and teachers would be like oh don't roll your eyes at me like, you know it you know I was, I was a kid who was like counting my footsteps and like 
pulling out M&Ms and threes and like doing all that kind of stuff. So like, were you ever diagnosed with anything or was it just one of those things that, that your, your, your parents were hoping were some sort of phase? In retrospect, like the way my dad is, like the thing that I actually really, I really love the most about him is the fact that he like, he's not an overprotective parent at all, but he's not like, you know, doesn't, I'm not a total latchkey kid where he's like, yeah, go do whatever you want. But at the same time, like he's, he's not like overly concerned about those sorts of things where he's like, Oh, you know, he'll grow out of it or he'll like figure it out. And you know, if not, then maybe, you know, like it's something you would look into, but like mm-hmm. he was very much in Dick condoning, like the childhood thing, like being a kid and like breaking stuff and like having fun and not, not being told like, all those limits to this or don't do this or turn your music down or whatever, you know, like there was mm-hmm. cases where I like split my head open and I was, I was you know, like head wounds bleed profusely. So, you know, there's blood everywhere and like I've got a wound in my head and he cleans it out with uh, hydrogen peroxide and then like puts a beanie on it and tells me to go to bed, you know what I mean? Like shake it off kind of thing. No, like, <laughs> you know, most parents would freak out and take you to the hospital and be like, oh, is he going to be okay? And my dad was like, he's tough. Like just, you know, just throw a beanie on him and like put him in the bed. It sounds kind of like a, a Midwest mentality in regards to, um, you know, raising kids where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're kids. They'll they'll get into what they're what they're into and they'll get into trouble. And yeah. I'll be there to pull the reins when, like you said, you know, stuff gets too crazy. But, you know, generally speaking, they're resilient. Yeah. Like it, he had four brothers growing up in uh, he grew up all over, you know, basically the Midwest and then ended up in Redding, California, which is just like a truck stop town and like yeah. the lake. And they would go out there and. They basically just listen to rock and roll and like you know do what four brothers do you know right. be vulgar and <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know like Fine. get into trouble and then like clean up their act as they as they grow older I guess you obviously speak about your dad with uh with reverence that you're like oh yeah like I get where he was coming from not only like you know as a younger person but then at what he did to raise me too which is awesome you know it's funny because like I didn't always have the closest relationship with with my dad but I always like. I did always have that respect for him because he was, because he's the kind of guy who would always do the right thing in a situation where like he wouldn't take money over like doing the right thing or like, I don't know. I always held like a very, he, he introduced me to rock and roll and like all these other cool things. And you know, he he was traveling a lot because he was working like for an international company. So he was, he was gone all the time. And I think when I was young, I really resented that because like he was traveling all the time and like he was just doing what he had to do, but I was young and like... Yeah, like, regardless of the circumstance, I don't care, you know, when, when someone isn't present in the home, you're too young to understand why they're gone. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh yeah, it's for work, but it's like, well, I don't care. I want him him or her here, so... Yeah, but I mean, he, he always tried his best. Like he'd always bring home stuff from like, you know, Singapore, whatever little like trinkety stuff that was infused with like magic properties, you know, like he was very imaginative and it was like, sure. you know, his home was the best. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't like, I was obviously young, you know, and it was something new with him. I don't know. It, it was, it was a good way to like, to grow up and to have, uh, not, not to be told not to touch things or not to like live out that, like those, those sorts of, um, I guess, adventurous tendencies you have, you know, when you're young. And so then as you, as you started to uh, grow up in, in what sounds like obviously a, a, a very, you know, sort of typical suburban life from that perspective. So like as you started to enter junior high and high school and that sort of stuff, like when did, uh, when did music obviously start to become more, more present? I, I kind of realized I, I wasn't very good at sports early on. You realized that or your parents realized that? Like did you, were you like, yo, no, I, I can't play this? I kind of realized it. Or at least I realized I wasn't like invested in it because when I was young, I wanted to become, I wanted to be an NBA player. Like I loved basketball. And when I was like eight, like that was what I wanted to do, wanted to do with my life. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it didn't take me very long though to realize like once I started competing that I didn't have the sort of practice regime that like, or natural, I guess, talent that like all these other kids had. I just didn't have that like competitive nature, I guess. So uh-huh. I was like, you know, this isn't, I don't know if this is for me so much and Basically, what happened is, I guess it was sort of like an intervention where, like, my grandpa gave me a guitar because he played guitar. He was like, he mostly just played folk songs. He had like an acoustic guitar all the time. But like, to every family in his creed, he gave a uh, a guitar. And so, all of, you know, I wasn't very much in a, in a music when I was. I loved listening to music, but like, the only. Uh, the only instrument I had at my disposal was the piano, and my mom would try to teach me that. I wasn't into it because it wasn't loud enough, and I didn't want to sit down or whatever. So finally, the guitar came into the picture, and like, it was one of those things where I picked it up, and no one had to tell me to like do that. You know what I mean? No one was like, "Oh, here, like, try this." And it came natural. Practice, and you know, 
I picked it up and I would play it all the time. And like, it was one of those things I, I kind of figured out on my own, but not because I felt like I had to, but because I really enjoyed doing it and because I wanted to do it. So that was the point where I started playing guitar and I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of musical influences at the time. Like my dad, um, had showed me good records from a young age, you know, like big into Sabbath and Zeppelin and ACDC and, when I was really young, I didn't necessarily understand those bands, but like, you know, I heard Angus Young play or like Malcolm Young and I was like, oh man, like I want to play guitar. And then I started getting into punk music and I was like, oh man, like I need to get an electric guitar. You know what I mean? I just kind of started like working my way up the ladder and like mm-hmm. getting louder and louder. And then I started going to shows when I was 11. So like really young. I know most kids don't go to shows when they're 11. You know, like who was, was there, you know, an older person that was obviously taking you to shows or was it just like, I, I've been to your area, like Concord and Walnut Creek and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, you're not, it's not a hotbed of culture. You're not going to be like, oh dude, there's the local show down the street. It's like, I mean, of course, if there is, there's obviously everybody knows about it. But you know, when you're 11, you don't really have that access. So who who is telling you? I mean, there's a venue now and it's, it's a bit, it's a pretty like family friendly venue, but like, when I was growing up, so go back to, let's say, seventh grade, I'm 11 years old. My best friend and I play in a band together. And his older brother plays in a band, and they open shows over the venue in Oakland called I Music Cast. So, I mean, like, Oakland, Berkeley is like, it's not like a bad area, but it's not like, you know, no, no parent in the right mind is going to say, oh, yeah, like, go on your own out there when you're 11. I played in bands and toured for years, and I, you just saying the name of that venue... I played there and that was like the weirdest place because it was this really, you know, they obviously tried to be very technologically advanced, but you're in the middle of a super shitty area. And I felt like it was just such a strange experience. You just, you gave me flashbacks. That was great. Yeah. So that was where I went like every other weekend, like as much as I could, if there was a show and it was cool bands, like we were going to go, that band, the matches used to play there and they'd put on shows all the time, you know, like they would put on those L3 shows. I don't know if you're familiar they basically corral a bunch of local bands and like headline the show. And that was like once a month they would do that. So amongst all these other shows we were going to, you know, my friend and I basically like, his mom would just drop us off and like come pick us up later. It wasn't like someone was sitting there babysitting us, you know, like that's the thing is like all sorts of people go to those shows. And so like friends with, with like this dude who was like a juggalo and like friends from school would go sometimes and like, other people you just didn't know that played in like other bands that were like the brother of the guitarist of some other band. Like there was, an, I don't know, like just all sorts of weird bands, like the Broken Dolls or like there's a band Kid Innocence, a band, my friend's band was Interpret This, like mm-hmm. this band All Heroes Die. Like those were the bands like we would go to see. And uh, even bands that I know today, but for different reasons, I'd go see like uh, First Belief. I don't know if you're familiar with that band, but they like, Mm-hmm. They came out of our area, and I saw them when I was a kid. And then, like, uh, the dude's brother from First to Leave tours with us now. You know, like it's just kind of this weird community that was established. And I don't know, like you meet all sorts of weird people, and you uh, derive influence from that. You know, because I'd go see the matches and think like, oh, well, that's what I want to do. Like this makes sense. You know, even at eleven, you were like, yo, I need to play in a band. Like, I mean, like you said, you yeah, were, was... you're already playing in a band at eleven. But I mean, you weren't. Were you actually playing shows at that time? No, because, okay. uh, well, we played a couple. We played, like, intermission at our middle schools, like, when they do performances and stuff. Like, we played two shows. The other shows we couldn't play because Will, who's actually in the story so far now, was in that band. And he was, his grades were so bad that we couldn't play shows. So, like, we kicked him out of the band. Also because also because he wrote a song that wasn't his own song and told us that he wrote it. And I went home later that night and saw the song on uh on a mu- in a music video we ended up kicking him out because he was he was a liar and an underachiever and uh oh that's so, so good, we just, we good that idea of of simply taking a song and like displaying it as yours it that's like i think every kid did that at some point in, and it's just, yeah. and you're like wait a minute <laughs> when you get discovered it's like the worst thing of all time <laughs> Yeah, like, I literally went home that night. He was like, here's, it was it was The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows by Brand New. That was the song. <laughs> he wrote that song. That's he came cool. and he, like, showed us the, you know, little intro, like, the, he's like, whoa, that's cool. And, like, took us through the whole song. He was like, yeah, like, I wrote this. And we're like, whoa, like, good thing we found this guy. Like, you know, because we're writing these crummy songs and he's coming here, like, fully ready to, like, 
you know, like, right. you know, you know, and then I went home that very night, like that same night he showed us that he wrote that song and it was on, like that was the first time I ever heard that song and I was like, wait a minute, I'm an idiot, but like, I'm not that big of an idiot. Like this is the song that someone just taught me to play today that they cast as their own. <laughs> so, so good. I presume obviously as you started to like, you know, be really active in like going to shows and playing in bands and stuff like that. Why did, you know, bass obviously be the instrument that you eventually ended up, you know, obviously playing where you're at now? Um, was it just by kind of happenstance? Cause usually bass players are from my experience, bass players are, are your, your friend, you know, they're not that good at guitar, but you like them, you want to hang around with them. So by default, they're kind of like, Oh, do you want to play bass? Like, do you know how to do this? Does that sound roughly like what you did? This is exactly what happened. I played guitar my son played guitar. Our other son played drums and no one we knew was playing music or played bass or any of those sorts of things. So one day we're, we're playing at practice where I used to play guitar. And then his dad had like a, it was a, it was an older model. I think it was like a 79 P bass. I just picked it up and I just started playing his bass. And we started, we were playing like Weezer covers and like doing other stuff. And I just kind of like tooled around and like figured out the bass lines and was like, oh, I kind of like this a whole lot better. You know, like it was just, it, was just, it made me feel like, I guess like, because everyone played guitar and then it was like, it was kind of a, you kind of differentiated yourself and had like a, a distinct role. It just felt better in my hands. And I felt like guitar just didn't have an identity with me. And then like, I picked up a bass and I was like, can growls and you know, you can feel it when you play it. And like, I don't know, it just had this identity and that I attached myself to, I guess. Yeah. Well, no, that's cool. Cause I, I, I honestly, I've never heard anybody describe playing bass like that, where like you felt like you had an identity with that. Whereas the guitar, you kind of felt like you were, I mean, probably in some way you felt like you were just kind of, you know, being a poser in a way. Like, did, was there an element of that kind of like, oh, I don't really feel totally comfortable with this? I could play guitar, but I mean, like, right. it was just power chords and whatever. And bass was more fun because it was like, writing a bass line to me was more fun than writing a sequence of power chords. You know what I mean? So like, because I, I was, I was playing bass like a guitarist, really. Like I was just, at some point I was probably playing more notes than I should have been and whatever. But like to me, like exploring like that and like playing those notes and moving around and that was more engaging to me than just like ripping, uh, ripping eighth notes. You know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. that was just fun. I don't know. I've never heard somebody describe their, their experience with, with bass like that. Cause yeah, like I said, it's usually just like the default dude. That's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You, like, you, you idiot. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Clearly, like you, like we were alluding to earlier, you were saying, you know, obviously the vision of the band was never well. You didn't have a vision. You were just playing in a band with friends because that's you know that's what you're supposed to do when you're you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old. Um, the thing I find interesting is like when when bands have to kind of shift into that mode of like things are getting real, like people are paying attention to us and we're, you know, whatever we're playing to a lot of people. Um, you know, when did you yourself have to kind of feel to make that, not that mental switch where you're like, okay, nothing's ever going to be the same again, but that switch where you're like, Oh, I, I guess by default, we have to take this, you know, more seriously than we obviously were at the beginning. Uh, do, did you remember kind of having to, you know, wrestle around in your head with that? I mean, when we wrote our second record, it was, that was probably the most evident it had ever been because, you know, at this point, no one was not going to remind you of the fact that, like, a second record, you know, people were going to hear that and they were going to, they were anticipating it, you know, like, and we knew that and we couldn't, like, deny that. And so it was at that point where you're going in to release more material that, you know, you understand you have all this, uh, anticipation and pressure and whatnot and we really tried to like shrug that off i think we did a good a good job of shrugging it off but you know everything since then has been for some reason i guess like you know because before when we were playing shows there was no reason behind it it was like you know to us getting paid i don't know like uh, sometimes you don't even get paid you know what i mean like to play shows it was just like right. to show up and hang out and whatever it was there was no there was no rhyme or reason to it it wasn't to like get big it was just to play shows and just to write music and now it was sort of a we do tours because we have to you know we have to keep our band alive because if we don't like because when you have to satiate demand when there is a demand it's like you do things basically in accordance to that demand also because you want to do them you know like we're not a band that doesn't we don't do a lot of things that we don't not like uh not want to do you know so yeah. it's not like we don't want to do the things we do but it's like 
purpose or there's some reason why, you know, like we have to do things or do things. So it's kind of like, it's different now, but that's just like what happens when people know who your band is. Yeah, no, I, I really, really like the way that you put it in regards to like, it's purpose driven. Cause I mean, you know, with, with youth, there's that, that concept of, you know, you're just like, you know, when you're hanging out with your friends on the weekends, like all you're doing is killing time. Like you're not really doing anything that's really important, but then, you know, obviously as you grow older, when you, your time becomes more precious and you obviously like, Oh, I, you know, these 10 people that I hang out with, like maybe, maybe it's just seven that I really care about, you know, and you kind of have to prioritize your time. And so that's clearly obviously what you guys have been forced to do where it's like, okay, yeah, like it's purpose driven as opposed to, you know, Oh yeah, I guess we'll play a show because we got offered 50 bucks for it or whatever. When we were in high school, we were, we were practicing all the time, which is, which I look back on, I think is partially why we, you know, probably things worked out for us is because we took it so seriously, even though there was nothing really that serious about it. Because to us, it was that was it was something enough to us that we invested our time into it and put things aside for it. And you know, like that was that was the number one priority to us. You know, it wasn't school, it wasn't any of the other things. You know, like that was that was reality. That was the thing, like you did because you had to do it or you had some understanding that you had to do it. But with music, it was no one had to tell us to do it again. You know what I mean? Like we organized that. We'd always get together, you know, like two or three times a week and we practice for two hours straight, you know, like for those days. And then we'd go out on the weekends and hang out or during the week or whatever and, you know, throw food out of our cars at people or like, right. you know. Right, right. This the stupid stuff that you do as a kid where it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I guess we did that back then. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wish I could still do some of that stuff. Right. <laughs> legal realities. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> the the stuff that you would do as a teenager might be looked on a little more harshly when you're in your twenties, where it's like, I guess this may be considered a felony by some people, <laughs> even though I, I wasn't. Yeah, really, I mean, the, the sooner you realize, <laughs> exactly, the sooner you realize your circumstances and that, like, you can't legally get in that much trouble for you know property damage or any of these other things as like a kid, and it's like the sooner you you get out there and you start doing those sorts of things, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, trespassing. It's like, what? That's not a big deal. It's like, well, if someone pressed charges, then yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, and again, like, if I was trespassing and I got caught, like, my dad had me prepared. He just said, you know, say no hablo in English and run. <laughs> nice. You he's, know, he's so got some, like, some great pieces fine. of advice. And speaking of, like, your relationship with your parents as you were um, – because you, obviously, you know, you graduated high school and then, you know, the band, the band didn't force you to obviously make a choice to, you know, not go to school or anything like it, that, like it at that point. But then, you know, did you, you obviously dropped out of college. Uh, were you, is it like freshman year, sophomore year that you, you decided to, you know, obviously pursue the band full time? It was after my junior year because there wasn't any pressure before or any like choice to make because Ryan being the youngest put me and I, I was the oldest, so I was already in a position to be sitting around for two years because it wasn't going to be two years until he even graduated high school. So I I went to school close enough. I, I didn't really want to do the whole community college thing. Like, for whatever reason, that just seemed like a dismal kind of... I don't know. Like I don't know. There's just like a lack of... Uh, I think I was driven. That's the thing. Is like I didn't want to just stick around by any means. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't matter if it was touring or you know, I guess in this case, studying, like I just wanted to go and I wanted to be focused on something and I wanted to, to do that. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I went to a, a university that was near enough by that I could come home. I didn't have a car, but I still, I was very somehow skilled in being able to finagle like a ride or like network and do that sort of stuff. Like if I needed to, it was actually pretty remarkable the things I was able to do and now that I think about it, but I, uh, you know, like I made it happen. Like, and when I say it, you know, like I did remarkable things, like, we played a show in Chico once, which is like three and a half hours away, and like I didn't have a ride the day of the show, and somehow like I managed to through people I got a ride with someone I didn't know, you know like just weird situations, just like the kind of stuff you would do, you would do anything to be able to play the show, and it was like that was so fun, you know like so I'm at school and I'm able to catch a ride three and a half hours away the day of a show, and like with someone I don't know, and like that sort of stuff, you know like just anything to make it work to make it happen, but like. You know, it wasn't until three years into school at a different university that the guys had been touring that year, and Ryan and I had been in school, um, basically unable to get out of uh, what we'd already agreed, or, you know, we already paid our tuition, we were already out there. It was like, it was too late to say, oh, I don't want to do this right now, I want to do the band. 
And so, you know, after that year cleared up, my junior year, then I was able to finally uh, step away from school for, you know, for the opportunity that was the story so far. So sure. What were, what, were you, uh, what were you studying at school? Uh, economics, which a lot of people cringe when I say that, but I really uh, actually enjoyed it, which is kind of weird, I guess. I, I think you're either, uh, you know, a person that is into, like, English and history, or, you know, you're kind of a, a numbers, like, I like to figure the world out through that lens. So I don't, I don't, I don't think it's weird. We, you, need pers- you need people of both talents, obviously. Yeah, which is funny because I'm not a numbers person. Like, I was so bad at math. It was my worst subject. And then I ended up majoring in a major that basically was one of the, aside from being a math major, it was basically, like, the next math, most math-heavy. Maybe aside from, like, physics, too. But, like, <laughs> everything was math. Like, it was just math all the time. And, like, I, I realized I wasn't intuitively very good at a lot of those things. But, like, if I worked hard enough, I was able to do them. And I was, you know, like, I think I think a lot of my life I was, I think people underestimated the things I was able to do, you know, in regards to like school and whatnot. So what most people, most people, I think look at, you know, that happened to them and people, you know, say like, you're not smart or you start to believe like, Oh, I can't do these things. I'm too stupid. And like, mm-hmm. you go in a direction complete, I guess, like in opposition to that where you're like, school sucks. I got to need school. Blah, blah, blah. And, like to me, I've, I've reached a point where like, I was sick of that. Like I was sick of like being a failure and I was sick of like thinking I couldn't do things and whatever. And then I finally just like something clicked and it was, it was weird because I remember doing my, I used to just like start off math and work. I didn't care. It was like, you know, it was just, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't see the point of it. And then one time, like it was this class that no one ever passed. It was the hardest teacher and I was already bad at math. And I looked this kind of like this monster in the eyes that was this math class. And I was like, you know, like, I'm not going to fail this. I'm not going to, like, I don't know. And so then I I got the homework that night, and I remember finally, like, for the first time in my life, I, like, I did all of the homework. I read through the chapter. Like, I did all the extra problems. You know, that was a lot for me at the time. Like, mm-hmm. as a kid who hated math and who didn't like school or whatever, and then, like, I finally it started to make sense, and I kind of realized this thing, like, if you can't rely on other people to teach you things, like, you have to have the initiative to teach yourself because, when you're in school, you sit there and you want to, you want the teacher to teach you everything. You want to absorb all that knowledge. And it finally like registered to me for the first time that like I had to practice doing things and I had to like read and understand, you know, like there's a difference between like being able to replicate something and understanding it and why it works. And so I figured that out and like, I don't know. Then I think, I think that had, that math had a positive influence on me because it was one of the first things I ever did where I kind of like went from being, terrible at it to being very good at it just because of i guess a work ethic that i discovered that i didn't know i had so no it's i mean it's it's rad i love hearing that because it definitely it's it's an idea of discipline you know and that's like there a lot of people especially it's like you know when you're a teenager that that word doesn't mean anything to you you know it's like it, it the idea of discipline is like oh i you know i i read a chapter in a book and like when I wanted to watch TV or something, but the fact that you, like you said, I like the, the illusion that you made in regards to, I looked at this math monster in the face and then kind of just, you know, did it. And then you felt like you said something sort of clicked to where it's like, you do have that inside of you. It just takes, you know, something that doesn't come easy to you became easier through work. And that obviously kind of, you know, it feels, that feels more gratifying than it just being like, Oh, yeah, like that was easy. You know, for a long time, I was looking at everything the wrong way through this lens of like, you know, school is stupid and like people don't know what they're talking about. And like, no one was pressuring me to know, like, you have to do well in school or whatever. Like, there was something with me and like, I'm, I feel like I'm the only kid who ever really got away with basically, I mean, basically doing whatever I wanted and not in like an entitled sense, but basically like, you know, like I said, like, if I was going to go, I'll go to the like cities, I'll go to the city all the time to go to shows, like, by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the tenderloin, like no parent is going to be like, yeah, 14 year old kids, like go ahead and like go out on your own on public transport and like walk through the like worst part of the city and go to a show. You know, like I had to, you know, like stuff like that. And I was like, I was, I'd already established my independence enough. Just like I was so much my own person by certain rights that like no one was pestering me to like study or do this or whatever. And I was like, I was going to be whatever I decided I was going to be, you know, and with school, I I looked at everything as I guess like like you do like an institution or whatever. And then it was when I stripped away all that kind of clutter and I started looking at things specifically for like personal merit or like 
you know, what I was deriving from it and not so much like what my image was becoming because of it, then it was, that was probably the most important thing I ever learned, you know, like I didn't care about being cool or looking cool or, you know, like what I wore or anything. It was like, personally, I just wanted to know that I was learning and I was, I was able to best the situations that people were putting on me that they didn't think I could do, you know, because people looked at me as a scrappy, like, I mean, I was, I wasn't like a confident kid by any means. I didn't have a lot of friends. Most of my friends ended up like getting sent away. So at some point I didn't have any friends at school, but I, you know, took my situation and instead of thinking, you know, instead of getting down on myself and thinking, oh, I can't do things or I'm a loser, blah, blah, blah. Like I just, I just did things and then started, I guess, building up my own little world, you know, like kind of digging myself out of the pit that everyone else and like, my situation had put me, made me at least think I was in when I wasn't ever there, you know? Yeah, no, I, honestly, it's really cool because it, it's funny. The, the impression that, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, the, the impression that I, I think a lot of people can put on people in bands, um, is that it's just like, Oh yeah, dude, just like fucking hanging out, smoking weed and like, you know, whatever, like it's just party dude. Um, but in honestly, in hearing you describe all of that, I think that, that is proof positive that while you, while all those things may be true, you, you may have fun in a band, you, you may smoke weed, you may do all these things, but at the core of it, like you said, you were taking the, the, these, the sort of predestination that people may had for you at the time and pushed against it. And we're like, yo, this is not me. Like all these things that you think that I might not be able to do, I'm going to prove you otherwise and wrong. And I think that's, that's cool because obviously like, again, it tries to bleed over into what you're doing with the band where it's like, oh yeah, we may be considered a band that is part of obviously this genre and this stylistic thing, but then we're going to do other things to, up into that and of course we'll tour with hardcore bands and of course we'll do these things that may not be recommended for a band of our nature but we'll do it because that's kind of what we want to do which is cool and the, like i think exactly. that that all that all kind of combines into what you're talking about which is awesome because that's i mean that's really true freedom you know because it was when i was on the other end of those things like you can be free in one sense where you don't have those things a part of your life at all or you can you can grapple them you know basically into a controlled situation where like no one, no one can tell you what to do or that you need to do this because you've already done it and you've already bested it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it just opens up opportunities. And with the band too, you know, like I took a, a similar approach. Like I, like I said, my friend who I played music with, you know, like found other interests, which I don't know, like a lot of them had issues and like ended up getting sent away or other things by their parents or whoever, by, you know, like school officials or whatever, you know? And so like, at some point, those people weren't around, and, you know, they weren't interested in playing music in the first place, but they weren't even available to if I had wanted them to be there. And so I obviously still had a desire to play music and no one to play it with. So I, instead of thinking, like, because a lot, of, a lot of kids do, and what a lot of people do is they go, you know, there's no one around to play music with, so, like, you might as well just give up, and there's no one here, and, like, I can't do anything about it, and that's just the way it is, like, you know, I'm cursed to like this situation and now I like, can't have that and this sucks, you know, I wish I was someone else or born somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. It's like, instead of doing that, I went and started my own band. Like I would just sit in my room and I'd play, you know, basically, like I said, I played bass like a guitarist. So I was like, well, I don't need a guitarist. I'm just going to put distortion on my bass. And like, I, I knew this kind of this weird kid who played drums and I was like, well, hey, like, let's start this band sort of in the same nature as that band Death Hole of 1979. Because there was just two guys, bass and drums. And I was like, well, if these guys can do it, like we can take our own spin of this and we can do it too. <laughs> and so I started playing music with him and then going to shows and meeting more kids. And it was like, I went from playing with nobody to playing in like seven bands. I was playing in like an obscene amount of bands. Mm -hmm. And that was fun for me. And then I eventually met Kevin and started playing with Stories Far. And then there was finally like, chemistry and sort of a friendship built around that and that kind of became the more intimate project but like I didn't get to playing with stories of far by pulling up in my room and thinking you know like well never you know I'll never play music again with anyone you know like that was the end you know what I mean like yeah it was just taking advantage of opportunities going out there networking and playing all the time and so basically putting myself in a position to take an opportunity once it arrived you know like that's the thing is like that preparation you know like 
people think that doing something for nothing or nobody is is useless, you know, like if no one's able to recognize or honor the merits of their work, like it's for nothing. But like that all that stuff, all it does is prepare you for when the opportunity does come is to be able to take it. So that's I mean that's really what I took away from like all of that, whether it be math or music or anything. It's just like being able to open up opportunities as opposed to shut them down because of a stubbornness, you know? There's an element of, of struggle that anybody needs, and it, it's difficult when, you know, it's like most people on the outside could look at, you know, the, the story so far and what you guys have been able to build, um, you know, and, and in some definitions, they would be like, oh, like, oh, whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're five white kids from the suburbs and like, oh, they got everything handed to them. And again, what you're trying to, you know, put forward is like, well, no, like, of course, that may make it easier than, you know, living in the inner city of Detroit, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we went through, uh, you know, that it was all easy for us to put this thing together. <laughs> and so it's, it, it's cool. I just like, I, I like that because I do think that, you know, it's easy to paint people with a very, you know, broad brush, especially when it's like, you know, whatever. Oh yeah. Here's, here's a pop punk band and that that's from Northern California. It's like, oh yeah, uh, I can put them in the corner and that's, that's what they are. Yeah, show the fact that there's obviously more to you than just that. That's the thing is, like, in my situation, people want to think, like, oh, everything was just handed to you. But, like, you know, if, in my in my situation, like, if I wanted something, it, was, it wasn't something that, like, was just going to be handed to me. And I had to go out, you know, like, well, especially in regards to, like, instruments and things. You know, like, you can't play music without a bass, without an amp. And it was, like, if I wanted an amp or one of the bass, then, like, I had to go get a job and I had to work and I had to balance out with everything else I was doing. You know, like no one was just going to buy me a base or like a, you know, so it's just yeah. like people think, Oh, like uh, every, everything was there for you. But it was like, no, like I had to go, I had to go work and I had to get those things. And then I had to go on Craigslist and sell those things and earn more money. So I could get a nicer thing. And like, you know, I didn't even have my base, my first like real base that I love and like still have like, it took me years. It took at least like six years for me. That's the thing. Like that's the reason I don't tour that base. I don't take it anywhere because like I don't want anything to happen to it because I worked so hard and sacrificed. I loved playing drums too. And like I had worked jobs so I could get a drum stand. And I was like, I reached a point where, you know, I was basically putting all my marbles into playing bass. And I was like, I have to sell the thing that I love the most, like in this world, which is my drum set, because that was like therapy to me. You know what I mean? Like, but if mm-hmm. I didn't sell it, then I couldn't afford the base. It's just like, that's just reality, you know? And that's the thing is like people then will say like, well, you, most people don't even have the opportunities to like work or like have these things in the It's like, whatever, like you don't, you don't choose your, your situation. And in the end, like I just took, you know, like I took my situation and I worked and I did what I had to do to have the opportunities I wanted to have. And it's like, I don't know, it doesn't make me any better any like worse than anyone else. It's just like, me doing what I have to do and I just don't see why people don't look at things as practically as that you know what I mean because everyone else is in a unique situation rather than blame other people for their situations or look down on them because of it you know like just help other people and promote their situation to help them either get out of it or you know like take advantage of it it's not like it's the same attitude as like blaming an institution or something for your own failures and like in a lot of cases like obviously like that's a different situation. Like there are people who because of institutions and because of, uh, you know, like societal structures are, you know, naturally born worse off than other people. So that's just reality. You know what I mean? Like you take reality and you do what you can to better it. And that's your part. And that's all you can do, but you shouldn't look at other people and think like, Oh, you, sh- you don't deserve this. So like, you shouldn't have this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You don't choose those things. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. When you, I mean, in just speaking to you here, it's like there you're, you're thoughtful and you, you put, you've put a perspective on obviously like what, you know, not only you yourself has gone through, but the, what the band has gone through as well. And I think that's, that's an important thing to have and to showcase too, because I think it's, it's really easy for, you know, a 16, you know, a 15, 16, 17 year old kid um, to look at a band and, you know, just look at it for face value. And it's like when you're able to engage people of that age and show them, that, you know, you, you aren't just what is, you know, perceived to be is extremely valuable because then they're able to take that and hopefully apply it to their own life and obviously take it from there. And the kind of on that same tip, the, the notion of this is just a thought I've been having recently in regards to, to bands where it's like, OK, like I saw this band the other night called Tokyo Police Club. 
um, who a great band. They're from Canada. They kind of have like a, you know, a Phoenix vibe, like a sort of, you know, indie rock Coachella vibe. But anyways, so a band like yeah, them, yeah. who, yeah, they, they played the same venue that you guys did when you came through Southern California, you played, you know, the observatory, they sold it out. You guys sold it out. But then there's always that notion of success where it's like, okay, is Tokyo police club looking at a band like Phoenix and are like, dude, I wish we could be there. And then what does a band like Phoenix think? Do they think like, man, I wish we could be like Coldplay or I wish we could be like you too. It's like, there's just this, this never ending cycle of like, never, I guess, being content with the level that you're at, you know, like it's always that sort of perpetual growth machine. Um, and I'm sure you've put some thought into that on your, on your own as well. And kind of the, the growth of the band, um, you know, how does that kind of all sit in your head as far as like, should we appreciate the level that we're at or do we need to like, do we have to get bigger? Like where, 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 where do we draw the line? So to speak, you know, and the thing that is actually the thing I hate the most about our situation is that people think we are somehow better than human or like we are on another, another playing field or like another plane than them. When in reality, like, this is just a situation that, like, like I said, with, like, opportunities and the way they come and being prepared to take them, like, for us, being the kind of music we were at the right time when that music was kind of having a resurgence and we had our album prepared and, like, kids were ready to carry that and make it into something, you know what I mean? Like, that that happened just because of circumstance, essentially, right? Like, we prepared, we did everything we could to put ourselves out there, and people will make us as big as they want us to be you know, based on what we do and how we, I guess, like market and put our music out into the world, you know, like people will carry us as far as they want to carry us. But eventually what's going to happen is, you know, with a band like us, like we're not a timeless band. That's the thing. Like Zeppelin is a timeless band. Like these people, these pioneers, they were timeless bands. We're like, people might see us as pioneers in a very, uh, in a, in a, in a small sense, but we're just a fraction of something that's basically already happened. You know, like, we just loved the music that that had already that we grew up listening to, and that we ended up playing basically by circumstance. And we're not we're not necessarily like changing the playing field as far as music. We're just taking advantage of an opportunity that we have and trying to push ourselves, you know, like musically and sonically and with how we perform. And so, like, you know, like we'll write albums that in the in the in the meantime will people might say is like, oh, wow, they really like developed this genre in the sounding, um, you know, maybe more musically tasteful or something. But like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to go down in the history books as like the Rolling Stones or something, you know, like we'll fade, like most bands, you know, like maybe we won't, like maybe, maybe some weird, this, this would be, you know, a very incredible turn of events if somehow like we became the biggest band in the world. But like, you know, if everyone decided, like, oh, this is the best music in the world, like, we love this, and made us that, like, that would happen, that would be the way it is, but we would still be the people we are, you know? And, like, I just don't think that people need to look at what we do or how our numbers or anything and and determine, you know, like, our authenticity because of that, like, because we very well could not have been received by people, and we'd still be playing in front of, you know, like, 50 kids, and that's just... You know, maybe in the future we'll be playing again to 50 kids. And that's just the way it is, you know? Like, the one thing to take away from that is, like, we're just like anyone else, and anyone else can have the opportunities we've had. The magnitude to which we take the story so far doesn't determine, you know, like, how cool we are, like, how much better we are than anyone else or whatever. It's just, like, an individual opportunity being perceived by an audience, really. And that's just, like, with every band. So I don't understand, like, really, like, people want to put, you know, guys in bands on pedestals or, like, have this, like... I don't know. It's just it's just a lot of the imagination, you know, and a lot of I don't know. Like really, I mean, I understand that music impactful, but yeah, no, no. It's well, it's funny because I'm I mean, I'm glad I'm bringing these things up because I obviously feel, I feel like I'm hitting a nerve with you of, of stuff that you know has been you know kind of building in your head obviously over the past you know whatever year 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 to two years or whatever um where you guys have obviously been you know more scrutinized and looked at and yeah, you're just trying to shed. Uh, you know, you, you're trying to shed those preconceptions as much as you possibly can, um, and which is which is cool because it's like you know you could you could take it one of two ways where it's just like one obviously certain bands just kind of like lock themselves down and are just like all right whatever I'm you know I'll do press but I'm just going to give these really calculated answers and only talk about you know our newest single or whatever and how sick our new record is um, 
but it, it, it's good to hear you, you know, you obviously have put a lot of thought into it. It's not just like, you know, reactionary, um, which is cool. When I'm at home, I'm not telling from the story so far, you know, like I've never thought of myself as such. It's just me. I think in a lot of ways, I'm just trying to do what, you know, the matches did for me or like these other bands where you try to build community and you try to like, you know, in my, in my head, like I just want people to realize that, that, that nobody that they think they are has the potential to be, you know, something so long as they're prepared to take the opportunity to be whatever it is that they want to be or do, you know, because when I was a kid, like I wanted to play in bands, but I didn't think like all this is ever going to be my reality. There's no expectation of that, you know, because the odds of that are honestly, you know, very difficult to, to overcome in order to, to, to do that. But, you know, like if you're never prepared, I mean, then you can't, you know, like ever be that something. And that's the thing is it's a personal venture. It's not like we want to be something to prove something to other people or for other people to, you know, think, oh, we're cool for doing that. It's like, just do what you want to do first, you know, like whatever that is that makes you the most happy. And then, you know, like people either follow suit or, you know, maybe it doesn't work out, but at least it makes you happy, you know, the end. But like, we're no better. No one's any better than anyone else for chasing that, you know, that fulfillment. That's really just the bottom line, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the last thing I want to hit on, then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. People, you never consider, obviously, when you start a band, um, you know, what it's going to look like in, you know, five to seven years. Uh, and usually, obviously, you just start bands with friends. And so the the notion of how your friendships obviously change within the context of the band, just because you are spending so much time together and you're spending so much time together creating something, which is usually a very, you know, volatile and stressful situation. Um, how have you been able to kind of, you know, sort of navigate the the friendships in regards to like, okay... When we're home, we're kind of not hanging out for a little bit. We need that, you know, week decompression time from one another when we're off tour. Or or is it just one of those things you guys kind of give each other space as needed? Um, how have you navigated that yourself? You grow up together. And I mean, in some, I feel like in some ways you grow apart and in other ways you grow more close. You know what I mean? Like you spend enough time with people where like, obviously we wouldn't, we wouldn't like, we have a, we have a sort of a your own way of doing things and going about things and it's specific to us and it works for us, you know, in most ways and we keep chugging along, you know, and when we're home, you know, like we'll see each other, but we also, you know, like have our personal lives that we, we deal with every day. And, you know, so people have, have girlfriends and other people, you know, have jobs or hobbies or things. And like, you know, we just like, it's not something we really, I don't think analyze. We just kind of like go on normally as, as we would, you know? So, you do grow closer, but in certain ways you do grow apart because certain people, while one dude in the band may have a really serious relationship and, you know, is really dedicated to that. And so because of that, he's, you know, he, he's obviously less closer to the band because he's trying to explore this new exciting thing or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's, you, you have to negotiate all of that while still trying to kind of hold the band together. Cause that's the, that's the hardest part of being like being in a band is trying to keep it together over the years because so much stuff changes. The, the opposite where band is, the band is pretty structurally sound and it's more everyone trying to keep everything in their personal lives together while the band is rolling because the band basically takes precedence because it's, it's our job and it's our livelihood at this point. And so having everything, you know, that you had, you know, there's people who have had girlfriends in our band before our band even began, who still, ha who still hold those relationships. And it's like adapting to that and, you know, just trying to keep everything together, you know, like while you're gone and while you're traveling, like it's a very, it's a very difficult thing to do sometimes. And I mean, that's with everything, you know, like friendships or things that you, you can't be at home for, you know what I mean? Like, it's just that there's, there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with being gone all the time. And it's just like coping with that and like having a support network to, to basically deal with that, you know? And like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just a weird, strange, unique opportunity that a lot of, not a lot of people understand because they've never done it. And, you know, like I'm just analyzing it for what it is. And I've seen it, you know, as I've done it because it said like, I wasn't a born, you know, like, basis of this band is just like you know that's just where i'm at in my life and i'm just like analyzing it as it comes in bits and pieces and trying to like you know organize yeah. and structure my life so that i'm happy and so that i'm in i'm in a good position you know what i mean like, yeah you and, that, and that you know like yeah i don't know like that's just that's just how it is and i uh 
Yeah, it works out. It obviously, I mean, I think you hit it too, where it's like, obviously it changes. It's like one year, this may be the, the thing that you're the most passionate about. And then the next year it's like, well, like there, there are other things that, that summarize me well, but I can still obviously be creative in the context of this band. So it's, you know, it is a ever evolving beast, especially when you're dedicating yourself to something creative. It's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's probably one of the most strange things in the whole world. You know what I mean? Like when people have, an idea of who you are because of the art or the uh, the music or the whatever creative outlet, you know, like you've put out there to be scrutinized and loved and enjoy or, you know, in, in some cases, like people absolutely hate it. You know what I mean? It's just like putting yourself out there at all makes you subject to becoming, I mean, basically you're just a figment of everyone's imagination. No one really knows what you're doing or who you are or whatever. And that, that kind of mystery like really like creates fantasy with the whole idea of, the artist and the musician or whatever. And in reality, it's just like no one that much different than you doing doing things that, you know, are just accessible to you because of, you know, the internet or however yeah. you, you, you get music or art or whatever into your hands and into your mind. Like, it's just a weird, there's a, such a weird nature about it, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, understanding and adapting that is a, the weirdest thing. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I don't think you could have uh, tried to describe it in a, in a better way. It's an ever-evolving beast and it's hard, but... Well, I, I really appreciate you getting deep, Cal, and this was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, no worries, man. Yeah, that was cool. Whew. After listening to that again, yeah, we got deep. I just felt after I hung up from our phone conversation, I was like, I was energized. There are, are a lot of these interviews that after I'm done with them, I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. And this one, I was on like the next level. I felt like I needed to take like a run after it um, just because I love like that exchange of ideas and that sort of like that creative spirit of just kind of getting in these conversations about, you know, deeper topics than just like, hey, here's your new record, let's talk about what it means. Even though that's an important component of what a band does, but like to really get down to it, you gotta ask a lot of questions, and I felt like we got there today, and I appreciate you listening. So again, donate to the show, patreon.com backslash xpurposex, donate some money, the show and I appreciate it. Visit 100wordspodcast.com, visit propertyofzack.com, our ever-solid partners in this show. They spread the word, and I love them for that. And uh, yeah, until next time, be safe, everybody. <laughs>